meditate on Scripture? This is a question we're often asked. So we created an online video course called Digging Deeper in God's Word. You can find this course on soulshepherding.org in the store. And today on Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier, we're going to talk about the blessings of meditating on Scripture and how to do it. Hello, Soul Shepherding community. Thanks for tuning in to Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier. We're so glad to have you in this conversation with us as we learn how to open up our hearts and our our longings and our lives to the Lord in order to know Him better and serve Him with joy and peace and love. And I'm blessed to do this with you, Christy. Oh, thanks, honey. (laughs) I'm blessed to do it with you, too. We love hearing from you, our Soul Talk listeners, on what the Lord is doing in your life, especially through Soul Talks and in your ministry, how having Soul Talks is helping you. And thankful for our friends, Tom and Marla Christian, Mm -hmm. who listen. And they're men and women in ministry locally here in Orange County, California. And Marla shared with us, it was so helpful when we taught about, well, don't say or do until you think and feel. Mm -hmm. This is so helpful. I used what you said this very day as I listened with an empathetic ear to a young woman in Al-Anon. And uh, just praise God for Christians like Tom and Marla, who are part of Al-Anon and minister the, the gospel and the the light and love of Jesus through listening and caring and journeying with people who are struggling uh, in their relationship with someone who has an addiction. Very thankful. And they're just such a beautiful example of people who really are committed to growth in Christlikeness. I have so much respect and gratitude. Yeah, that integration of Christian spirituality and recovery is so wonderful. And I know many of you who are listening have experience in the 12 steps of recovery or celebrate recovery, and you found a lot of help in your life, uh, freedom from addiction and growth spiritually and emotionally through a recovery program. Yeah, we just want to affirm you and thank you for doing that hard work because it is hard work, but it's it's worth it. And it's a ministry to join in with others in the, in the fellowship and to follow Jesus together. So we've been talking about venting emotions, and we're going to pick up with a conversation that we had in the last Soul Talks called Don't Just Grin and Bear It. And today we're going to be talking about, is it good to vent emotions? It sort of depends upon what you mean by venting emotions. It does, yeah. It certainly isn't good if you're letting your emotions out in a way that's really hurtful to somebody else, really attacking them, really putting your emotions, you know, making them responsible for your feelings where you're not taking responsibility for your emotions. Yeah, if you're blaming people mm-hmm. or getting angry at them. I always mm-hmm. remind myself and tell others that it's a very different thing to say, you know, I feel angry. When you did this or when this happened, it, it frustrated me, it made me angry. That's different than to react in anger mm. in a way that you're raising your voice, you're, you're criticizing or saying mean things or just silently withdrawing in anger. It's angry behaviors that are really hurtful mm-hmm. and, and unloving. Yeah. But to invite someone to understand your angry emotion in which you're taking ownership of it and saying, this is my emotion, this is my experience, and to process that, which with anger means getting underneath the anger. Because when we're angry, it's because we've been violated, we've been hurt, we're scared about something, Mm -hmm. we've been disappointed. There's more to the picture here. And so getting underneath that to share what usually is some more 
tender and vulnerable feelings. That's an invitational posture, and that's a very healthy way to communicate. Yeah, it is. And yet we need a safe place, a safe person to be able to do that, someone who won't be reactive or judgmental to us for admitting and sharing those emotions that we're having that's comfortable enough to hear and contain and hold the space of listening and not shut us down. That takes some maturity and some grace to offer that kind of empathy, especially if the person is venting some frustrations Mm -hmm. and some feelings of anger. Yeah. So in our last podcast, you were sharing some emotions you were having, and some people might have thought, well, that doesn't really sound like venting, you know, or that was awful mild, Bill. Is that what you're talking about? Well, I mean, there's times when we vent emotions that are, are angry or you know, really strongly negative about things that both of us care very much about and affect each other. And thankfully, we have learned to be able to hear the other person through a filter of knowing, okay, these are just temporary emotions they're having. This is the whole picture. I don't need to take this personally. He's not talking about me or making judgments of truth or reality. It's just sharing right now the emotion and to listen with empathy and try to understand what the emotions are and make it safe for you to be able to name them and acknowledge them. Well, that's what you did for me with my processing after reading Brennan Manning's memoir, All is Grace, and was sharing my disappointment that one of my spiritual heroes, this great teacher that the Lord has used for millions of people over the decades, that he had these ongoing struggles with alcoholism and deceit and so forth in in his life. And uh, so, yeah, was I venting? Well, you know, I'm not a super emotional person, so it wasn't like sometimes I have more intense emotions than other times, but it was venting in that I was just letting go. I was letting go of the editor and I was just processing, uh, sort of free associating my thoughts and my emotions and my concerns about this issue Because just hearing myself say these things out loud with you listening and putting your interest and your energy into understanding me, which is helping me to continue to express myself and to move deeper into my emotions. And then some of your questions and your statements where you're reflecting my feelings helped me to get deeper into the the grief that I was feeling, the, the sadness that, well, Brennan Manning wasn't all who I thought he was. And he had this struggle. And then my own judge coming out. But then I don't want to be judging. And so, setting that aside and moving deeper into, well, really, Brennan is he's giving me another gift here because he's leading me to Christ and his cross and the mercy of God and the grace of God. And he's, he's a living example here, even in his memoir, that it's in our failures even. God can be glorified when we're honest about that and when we seek forgiveness for our sins. And we, we let the Lord use our story to minister to other people, as Brennan did so well and helped help so many alcoholics and hurting people and people who had problems with abandonment like he did, and people who felt far from God, and he helped them come near, people who felt filled with self-hatred and shame, and he helped them feel compassion and grace. And, you know, Brennan Manning's truly a wounded healer. Honey, I want to go back, because I think it's so helpful what you said about turning off the editor, as you were sharing with me, your emotions and processing all of this. That's really important in what we're talking about. If you're going to vent in a healthy way, you kind of have to turn off that editor in order to really let these emotions surface and really let yourself process. And so you need to be wise who you do that with. And sometimes we were talking about this in our community at TLC, that sometimes it's helpful at first to start venting on paper in a journal. And people are often afraid, but I'm afraid somebody unsafe will find that. I just tell them, 
So shred it as soon Mm -hmm. as you're done. But don't let that keep you from giving yourself that gift. And I also shared with them that, you know, I often, when I'm doing that and I'm finding myself bubbling up with lots of emotion that I'm trying to keep down, and one of the things that I'll do is I'll imagine myself being held by Jesus like a tantruming toddler. Mm. And he's just letting me kind of have a tantrum on him. And he's strong enough and loving enough and big enough and safe enough to just contain all that Mm -hmm. tantrum. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. And then after I do that, then I just feel this peace and this release. And then I can open to his truth and his love and his grace in new ways. Yeah. That's what we call it. Venting is it enables us to have our emotion validated. And that's an essential ingredient to empathy. We all need to know that what we've experienced and the the emotions and thoughts that we have about our experience, that they've been understood and accepted as true, as real, as it, it makes sense that you would be going through that, that you would have those feelings. And so that ministry of, of validation, of really acknowledging and, and sort of emotionally holding holding me where I am right now in this situation is, is very powerful and healing. It is. And, you know, as we were talking about this last week, some of the pastors were saying that, well, you know, I don't let my kids vent. I'm just realizing as we're talking because I don't let myself vent. And when my kids start to vent their emotions, I kind of shut them down because I try to either fix them right away or I go right into action about what they're having emotions about and try to fix the situation. And so one of the pastors was talking about if his kid is sharing information with him, venting with him about how somebody else has hurt him. He wants to go right into action to protect his child from that experience and that emotion. And of course, that's a natural thing as a parent that we want to we want to protect our kids from harm and and from making mistakes and be hurtful to them. But when we're shutting down their emotional experience and their inner needs and the, the deep thoughts and feelings of their heart, that's a form of discounting invalidating and even rejecting. It's not mm-hmm. the intention, right? but that's the experience yeah. for the child or, yeah. or the person is when someone does that to us, we're put out of relationship. Yeah. And if the parent takes action real quick, like we see sometimes where maybe a, a school-aged child will share that he feels bullied or unsafe by another peer. And then as the parent, we take in the child's anger at that person or fear, mm-hmm. and we get angry at that right. person. And then the child kind of doesn't feel like it's it's okay for them to be angry because they just see, oh, I, my parent's now feeling that. And then they feel anxious because their parent is upset at this other kid or their parent's going to call the other one's parent or their parent's going to do something that's going to maybe make them feel vulnerable or unsafe, even though the parent's intention is to protect. And so- Really, it's very important that when somebody's sharing emotion like this, especially a child, that you contain it for them and that you honor them by really hearing and empathizing and listening like you're saying and validating and then asking them, do you want my help with this? Rather than just springing into this action to try to fix it in order to feel better and to feel more comfortable and to try to get free of the emotion yourself. Yeah, you're differentiating the person who's hurting and struggling from the situation, the event mm-hmm. that caused the distress. Mm-hmm. And you're showing that what's of primary importance, if I'm the parent 
or the friend, the listener, what's of primary importance is, is the person who's sharing with me. Right. That they're trusting me with their emotions, that they're getting in touch with their emotions and their experience. And actually dealing with or fixing that, that problem is a secondary thing. It is a secondary thing. Because first of all, it's not in front of us right now. What's in right. front of us right now is, is you and I. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so even if that problem doesn't get fixed, in some cases that that's going to be okay. Now there are situations where you just, it, there's something needs to be changed mm-hmm. there for safety mm-hmm. and well-being. But often, even if the situation isn't rectified, just by the fact of the the, the listening, the empathy, the compassion, mm-hmm. the, the caring, that's healing it's and empowering. Very, it is both healing and empowering. So early on in the first months of our marriage, when I used to vent to you, and you pointed out it was usually once a month. <laughs> <laughs> around my cycle. You were getting your doctorate in psychology. You had some great insights. You had some great ideas to fix I me. I had to learn <laughs> so to be pretty feel better. careful with that stuff because <laughs> you didn't feel uh, fixed and you didn't feel cared for by insights. No, I either felt insulted that you thought you knew what I needed and you thought I didn't know because usually I did know what I needed to do. I just needed to have empathy and be honest and feel support in order to t- then take the, the courage to go and take responsibility to fix it for myself. I think you especially felt uh, judged and demeaned by the monthly comment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think that there was some reality to that. that the, my cycle just intensified my emotions, but yeah. Well, but, I learned how to talk about that and how not to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> Appreciate that. But the other thing I think I felt is when you would go into fixing, wanting to fix it for me, if we go back to that illustration I was talking about with the school-aged kid, if the school-aged kid comes home and vents this emotion and then the parent springs into action to fix it, it fragilizes the child. It makes the child feel too fragile to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. It makes them feel like they they have to have this protection from somebody else or this action from somebody else. Yeah, that's why uh, fixing and reassurance is not good because when you're the, the helper, the small group leader, the parent, the pastor, and you're trying to make somebody feel better, it goes backwards on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, without something else that, that came up in our TLC retreat with the, the men and women on ministry, and, and they're not all pastors, by the way. We have church pastors, but we have others who are people in, in ministry. But if I, as the helper, am more motivated for the, the hurting person to get help than that person is, it's not going to work. Uh-uh. Not at all. No. We can't take responsibility for no. people. That becomes enabling and rescuing, and it actually undermines their process for getting better. Yeah. So That's when really we're the shepherd, we need to be really dependent on the Lord and, and his wisdom and his grace to be cultivating motivation from people and, mm-hmm. and personal responsibility from them. Now, the, the shortcut way to do that is just to tell people they need to deal with it, and that, that's not very compassionate. No. So what most people don't realize is that when you listen actively with questions and when you validate people's emotions and their needs and you help them put words to that, even the process of writing down your concerns and your prayers, it helps to validate, it helps to make it more real. And that is a way that helps you when you're hurting to take responsibility for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you're the listener and you're empathizing, you're gently giving that back to the person. And the implicit statement in that is, 
well, this is your experience. Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. a problem that you're dealing with. This is something that you need. I'm understanding this with you. I'm mm-hmm. seeking the Lord with you on this. I, I want to help you. But the primary way I'm helping you is by being with you mm-hmm. and actually by gently giving it back to you. Giving you confidence that you, with the Lord's help, really can make progress on this and really can grow in this. Going back to Alan on, as we were talking about, one of their sayings is, that we need to focus on keeping our own side of the street clean. (laughs) You know, as codependents and all, or even when we're listening, we can get preoccupied with, they need to clean up this, this, and that, or Mm -hmm. they need to, you know, and start to try to clean up their side of the street. And that's not what it's, not helpful. It's not what it's about. So, Bill, what does Scripture say? Is it good to vent emotions? Well, Scripture has a lot to say about that. Uh, The Psalms, the prophets, uh, even Jesus himself. But one example that we might look at is the example of Habakkuk, one of the the books in the Old Testament, uh, the prophet Habakkuk, around 600 BC, and he complains quite loudly to the Lord about how the leaders in Judah are oppressing the poor, and Habakkuk is suffering along with the poor, Mm -hmm. and he doesn't like seeing this going on, and so he's very frustrated, he's angry, he's grieving, and he's just venting his emotion to the Lord. Uh, And then the Lord responds Mm. and validates him, and talks with him about the situation, and then Habakkuk shares some more. He complains further, and this time the focus of his complaint is on the evil of the Babylonians that are all all around Israel, a very powerful rising empire at the time, and the Lord is saying that Israel is going to be, uh, Judah is going to be attacked. And so Habakkuk complains about this, that, well, why are the wicked, this is a, a very evil nation, and child sacrifices and false gods and <laughs> killing people. And, and how could you let them do this to us? And why don't you protect us? And so he's disturbed and scared and angry about this. And then the Lord responds again and listens and demonstrates a lot of empathy and mm-hmm. validation of Habakkuk's experience and his concerns and his questions. And, and then Habakkuk responds. And it's in, in this part of the response that we have the famous verse where the Lord helps Habakkuk to see that the righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by trusting in God, to have a, a right relationship with the Lord, a loving relationship with God and with our neighbors. That comes through, through faith, through confidence in the Lord. And then the book of Habakkuk closes out with just some wonderful lines that I think would just make a great closing prayer for all of us. And we'll just put a little background music here on, and I'll read this slowly, meditatively, for all of us to apply this great blessing that Habakkuk receives through his venting conversation with the Lord, through Habakkuk's soul talk. He comes to this this sense of wisdom and grace from the Lord, and I think that we all can relate to what Habakkuk describes here, and hopefully we can come to also Habakkuk's trust in the Lord, because that's the point we're making here that's really is one of the themes in soul talks, that our honesty about our sins and our struggles in life helps to open up our trust in the Lord and actually strengthens our faith. And so if we deny our emotions or intellectualize them or just get busy, it actually weakens us not only emotionally but relationally, spiritually, and in our leadership we get weakened because we need our emotions to be aware and to be validated and to be cared for in order to be our most effective and loving self And so this is a primary theme in uh, all that we teach and model with scripture meditation. And it's why we did the 
Digging Deeper in God's Word series on the video that's available on our Soul Shepherding website on Lectio Divina in a seven-part series that you can do for your personal devotions, or you can do that with uh, your small group. And we show you by actually leading you in meditation, more extensive than we're going to do now in this closing prayer, but we show you how God's Word can help us to be healthy and how we can hear God's voice and follow Jesus more closely and love others more effectively just simply by learning how to read God's Word in ways that help us to be honest with God and open up a space, unclog the pipe so that we would hear God's voice. This is what Habakkuk does for us in his letter. He shows us how to do that. And here's a closing verse from uh, Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. And we'll just pray this together. And uh, Lord, we just ask that you would help each of us now as we think about the things that we're dealing with in our relationships and our life. Help us, Lord, to receive from your words of life through the prophet Habakkuk. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. And I think each of us need to add our own line or lines here. What's not right in our lives? Just name that to the Lord. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, Habakkuk continues. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Wow! How does Habakkuk make that shift? How does he go from the grief and the distress and the frustration to joy in the Lord? Well, verse 19 answers. It's because of this process he's engaged in throughout the book of Habakkuk, this dialogue he's had with the Lord where he's been very honest and it's been a two-way dialogue. He's been listening to the Lord too. And so his process of venting his emotions, this is where it's led him. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on into the heights, into the high places. Praise you, Lord. Thank you that you are a God who listens to us, that you empathize with us, you have unlimited compassion, and you send safe people to us, Lord, as we wait upon you, people that we can have soul talks with. Your mercies are new every morning for our sins and for our distress. And this process of your ministry to us through the word, through quiet prayer, through safe people, Christ's ambassadors to us. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. We find the the power that we need for daily life and the nimbleness of foot to deal with situations because you are listening to us, you are caring for us, you are with us. Praise you, God. You are our joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
In John 10, Jesus, our Good Shepherd, says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Thanks for joining us on Soul Talks as we seek to follow the Lord together. Until next time, let's continue our conversations with Christ.